Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Giant Pod. This one is in two parts. You are listening to part one. My guest this week is Stu Whiffin, the legendary Stu Whiffin. He is part of the Pink Toothbrush crew. Uh, it's a legendary club in Essex. He has been DJing there and booking there for many, many years. He is a regular guest on Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces podcast. He's a podcaster in his own right with a very successful off-the-beaten track, acceptable in the 80s, hardcore listing, and he's part of the Pod Bible Magazine crew. We talk about music, we talk about comedy, we talk about the arts, we talk about lockdown, we talk about cancel culture, Black Lives Matter. There is a trigger warning on this episode. We do talk about eating disorders and mental health, especially uh, within men. Um, stick around for part two. That'll be out a little later in the week. We go through. I have a stack of albums, and I go through them with Stu, and we see what what things he likes and what things he doesn't like. Uh, yeah, so uh, check this out. I like this one a lot. Here it is. Do you, if I put my headphones over my mic, do you want to clap and then you'll find it like your producer will be able to just sync it up really easily? Oh, nice. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it won't actually do a lot, but I just feel like you're applauding me before we even start. So I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> Stu, thanks for joining me. Mate, thank you very much. I, I literally, I, I mean, this is just sort of almost the second take, right, Andy? Because we, right. We, we, I just popped up on your Zoom and we were just sort of having a catch-up as to what's been going on. And then I just thought, this is quite a long catch-up. I was like, is this actually the podcast? He was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, man, I said some things I didn't actually want to put out there. I just thought yeah. it was doing the fact. So, uh yeah, we're, we're recording now. We're, we're, we're good, we're on. yeah? <laughs> yeah, we're good. The red light is on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's lovely to meet you, man. Yeah, nice to meet you as well, dude. As I said, I've been enjoying your content recently, just trying to get a feel for who you are, figure out what I can, what we can talk about, what to say. I've got a stack of CDs here because I heard you say in an interview that you're a massive uh, music anorak, mm. and I am very much the same. I've got... Wonderful. Uh, probably 2,000, 3,000 CDs next door on vinyl. I just got a stack of stuff, and a bit later on, I'll just pop a few up, and we'll see what these things, what you feel, okay. what, they, what they mean to you. Love it's it. the first time I've done anything with a bit of a gimmick, but there we go, okay. we'll, tr- we'll give that a go. So how did you get into um, how did you get into podcasting? Podcasting come about um, in a kind of interesting way, really. Um, so my, my background was always like bands and uh, and I've been a, you know, a, a, an alternative club promoter, an alternative music club promoter for nearly thirty years, and 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 so that's always been my, my, my kind of background. And and but some of the events that I would promote, I, I would promote with um, the podcaster and musician and actor Scroobius Pip, who's one of my my sort of my, my good buddies. Um, and and then I, I watched Pip sort of get a radio show on XFM you know, win a, a Sony award for his radio show, you know, a specialist radio show. And and I just thought, this is amazing. He's got no background in radio and he's just launched this show and just smashed it. Uh, and then at the height of it, just went, right, well, I've done that. I'm going to start a podcast in a time when podcasts weren't really on everybody's radar, you know, and, and kicks things off with, you know, another fellow Essex lad, Russell Brand, uh, and then just 
straight in with just you know guest after guest and he's a brilliant talker pip and and then after a while um pip invited me and my friend chris on to do a drunk cast he's like look let's just let's just sit in your bar and have a few drinks and just press record and i think it was something that for people that that know scroobius pip you know he's very he's very woke he's very you know he's a smart articulate guy performer and I think it was the first time that people got to see Pip dicking around with his mates like we all do you know yeah uh and so it, it seemed to go down really well and, and and I just thought I had no idea how many people listened to Pip's podcast and uh I, I thought there might be a few just because of the the you know of, of his profile and, and and the profile of some of the guests and and then I think we've done about two or three drunk cast and I went I have interest Pip like how many people have listened to them he says like, oh, about four million I think and I was just like <laughs> what yeah and like and then the ultimate beer fear you could ever have kicked in because I just thought I have just said so much shit on that podcast I didn't I just thought maybe like maybe a few thousand released I didn't know yeah. and and so we, we started doing them quite regularly and, and they were a lot of fun and then Chris and I, that were the the, 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 the other two of the, the drunk cast, set up a podcast called Hardcore Listing. And uh, and we mentioned, I know you're friends with, with, with uh, Hugh Morgan, and Huey has, has come on and guested uh, on that podcast. And, uh, and yeah, we just, we get guests on to pick a topic and then they count down a top five within that. And we've, we've had some, we've had a lot of fun doing that and we still do it every week. And, you know, we've had, it's, it's weird. We've had like Hollywood, Raw, you know, but people like Ed Scrine like turn up on his motorbike, sit in my shed, <laughs> and count down his, his top five hip hop songs that make him cry. It's like <laughs> it, it's just it, it's been really fun, and and it's yeah. just kind of you know, I never in a million years thought I'd be having conversations with with the you know with, with actors and musicians and things like that, and it, and it's been so much fun. And so from that, the, the the one thing that that kind of took me to the Off the Beaten Track podcast, um was the fact that every time I'd get a guest on Hardcore Listing that would talk about music, I just wanted to continue that. And as much as Chris is a DJ and, and you know, he's, he's he, you know, he works uh, at mine and Pip's events and stuff, like, he's not a nerd for music like me. And, and I'm always really interested in people's lives, um, how they, how music is so important to it and, and how certain points in, in their life you know, records will be synonymous with that, and and we'll, we'll and the, and the, the visualizations when they when they hear a record, what where that takes them, you know, yeah, that bang straight back to like, oh my my best mate's bedroom, sitting in there, you know, playing the records, and you know, I, I've just met this girl, and just and just things like that. I'm, I'm just fascinated at the you know the power that that music has with things like that. Um, and so I said to Chris, look, we're still doing hardcore listening, but I'm gonna do a podcast called Off the Beat and Track and talk about the areas in which these creative people grow up in, how that influences them. And, and, and yeah, and I've, I think I've, today's episode is like episode 145. Wow. And, and it's been, it's been absolute, it's been an absolute ride. You know, I've, I've, I've got to kind of, as the podcast has grown, it's been really lovely to get to sit down with, yeah, I mean, to, 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 if, if people are interested in listening, then uh, guests as diverse as, I mean, today's episode was with a Spice Girl, with Mel C, and then, you know, last week's was um, Deftones, 
Um, the, yeah, and James Lavelle through to Sheik, through to Maxine Peake. And yeah, like the, it, it's just been an opportunity to speak to some really wonderful people about their creative journeys and the records that have soundtracked it. It's great because I feel like, you know, we're both very curious people. I mean, the backbone of the giant pod is is basically is an excuse to talk to people and be curious and sit and sit someone down with with the 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 guys of you know we're going to do a podcast but really i want i want to you know there's people like you said i want to talk to you you know what i mean like whether this is over a beer or a podcast i want to talk to you but it just so happens that the podcast is the way <laughs> the way to attract many of these people but um yeah it's just about curiosity isn't it and, and i think it's been it's been so good in lockdown to to, if you've got a podcast, to, to use this time, you know, to to try and sort of do something positive and, and 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 record and chat to people. But what I've got from it as well is just a, a sort of distraction from the ongoing misery of the news. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm totally aware of what's going on and how awful it is. But I think you know, you've all got to try and sort of preserve your your sanity in in a very very strange world at the moment. And and for me. If I get to connect with people, whether it's over Zoom, then I'm all over that. You know, if yeah. it takes me somewhere else for an hour where I get to find out all about people and their lives and, you know, and 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 obviously if we can talk music as well, even better. And and yeah, and, and and it's just it's it's kept my head where it needs to be during lockdown. And you've also launched another podcast called Acceptable in the Eighties, haven't you? Yeah. With Cunt from <laughs> is, is his whole name Cunt in the Gang or is it just Cunt? <laughs> Um, I, I guess most people know him as Cunt and the Gang or Cunt right. from Cunt and the Gang, a one-man <laughs> band. And I, I, I mean, was you aware of Cunt and the Gang? I wasn't really until it, until it came up when I was sort of doing some research. I did mention it to a mate and he was like, oh, what, is he in Cunt in the Gang? And I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> it's probably Cunt in the Gang. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's a one-man band, like one-man sort of comedy act stroke band. And as I've, you know, I've watched his career grow and grow and grow. And he's he's my best friend. He's we've been we we we. But we sit in this very bar that I'm sitting in there, uh, and and catch up like once a month and reminisce and talk the same old shit each time we tell it. The stories get a little bit more exaggerated. Exaggerated. That's the word. And yeah. Uh, and and yeah. And, uh, and 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 so basically, we realised a couple of months ago that in September. Uh, we would have been friends 40 years. So uh, we've decided to do a monthly podcast um, and in each month. So tonight we're actually recording October 1980. Right. Uh, and so we'll talk about what was in the music charts, what films were out, what was on TV, what we were up to, you know. And then, and you know, in the last 40 years, we've we've been in bands together. We've promoted club nights together. We've DJed together. And, and we've just got into lots of interesting scrapes and banana stories and for anybody that knows cunt in the gang it's with a k um <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll know what a colorful and unique gentleman he is and yes. uh and and it's been really well received we've only put out september's episode and and it was a lot of fun and uh and, and yeah and it seems to be yeah it seems to be going all right thank you yeah i was enjoying it i was listening to a bit uh last night and uh is there the part where you used to tell kids that your dad was the uh some sort of medical droid in yeah. Star Wars or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, I mean, a, a little kind of snippet of it was um, when I was, yeah, like, I think I was probably like six and uh, 
and, and this guy come to my school and uh, from another school and the teacher said can you be his friend I was like yeah yeah no worries because he hasn't got any mates in this school so and then I you know I found out that when I went around his house that he had like motorbikes and go-karts and drum kits and I was like man what no one's got stuff like this where I live right and uh, turned out his dad was a cameraman and his dad had like filmed Star Wars uh and Empire and uh flash gordon and all of these super cool films uh and so i just decided when i met cunt that i was gonna tell him that i my, my dad was in star wars and played 2-1b medical droid <laughs> i have absolutely no fucking idea why i've done that um but but yeah and he believed it i think i might have told him i was a jawa um <laughs> and and yeah and then obviously not long after that it was like your dad wasn't two one b medical droid was he? I was like nah <laughs> um but yeah so it's it's one of them things that you know forty years later he's still reminding me of the the the, the lie you know and he and he doesn't believe anything I ever say now right like on on the strength that forty years ago I told him your dad was in Star Wars <laughs> how do you uh how do you manage your time because you clearly so you've gone into lockdown i guess the the pink toothbrush um has also gone into lockdown mm. um which obviously freed up a lot of time for you so now you have uh how many podcasts have you got now three um you do you on three yeah yeah i i guess so yeah there's there's yeah off the beaten track um hardcore listing and obviously acceptably now is however I, I i do um also co-host the, the pod bible podcast right is, uh, right so four yeah. um so when if things if when if things go back to normal and 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 the toothbrush opens up and life goes back to some sort of pre-covid normality how are you gonna manage that time with a massive fucking smile on my face yes. um <laughs> because i'm I, I, like this fucking government is fucking over the live industry nightlife you know self-employed creatives they're fucked and like and there's and and i I don't know if the government sees no value in nightlife and it's a fucking it's so important it's so important it's ingrained in our culture that this is where people meet their partners this is where people find their clicks this is people that you know, certain clubs, like my club, you know, this is the place, it's a safe haven for the weird and wonderful. If you don't fit in at school and you ain't one of them kind of jocks that goes down the, the you know, the high street club listening to commercial dance music and you, you want to go and listen to, you know, weird alternative music and, you know, you want to go somewhere and not get fucking pushed around for what you look like or, you know, how you want to express yourself. We own that club, you know, that's what we've done for, for 30 years. And, and it's, you know, and it's sitting there shut for six months. And don't get me wrong, not in a million years will we open that club and put anyone at risk in the situation we're in. But that leaves us with our hands tied that we're paying bills on a venue that we can't open. And and it seems so unfair that there's no support being offered by the government. And how many, you know, not just with club life, but with the live music scene, how many fucking roadies, guitar techs, like... You know, people that supply toilets at festivals, people that, uh-huh. you know, it, it just it's endless, you know, where you start. And all of these people can't work. Comedians, the amount of, you know, comedians I know that have been on the pod, it's like, that. you know, they're, they're, 
they can't go and do what they do. That you know, and and aside from it absolutely crippling, you know, their, their finances. What the fuck is it going to do to people's minds? You know, people need this expression. People need this. It's like, it's what they do. It's who who they are, and it's you know what gives them joy. Mm. And and yeah, and if you can't do it, and through no fault of your own, and yeah, it just feels like lots of other industries are getting support, and it just feels like the arts in in many variants of the arts aren't getting the consideration that others are. And don't get me wrong, there's, you know, there's also many, many businesses that are so vital and, you know, and need that, need that support. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying we're anything special at all, but I do think we should definitely be, we should be a consideration and we should be given some kind of element of reassurance, guidance, help, and it's not there. Got all angry then, didn't I? Oh, that got deep. <laughs> but I, I mean, I feel you. I mean, I watched the the uh, the Pink Toothbrush Thirty uh, uh, documentary on YouTube the other night. Yeah, and I I tell you what, although it seems like a very unique place and a place that I would really love to take my hardcore band Sick Ones when all this is over, I'd love to come down and play there. Um, it seems like a place I know very well in its spirit, and so you know we've had the the good fortune of playing all over. The UK, America, and, and Europe, and and the places are the same no matter where you go. Where there's a community of people that are alienated or they're not part of the norm, you know, you got the hardcore kids, your metal kids, your your punk rockers, and everyone's sort of in between. There's a they have this vibe that the the staff have a family vibe, the walls have an energy to them. I feel like the the pink toothbrush seems very much like one of those special venues that when you're on tour and you go, where are we going tomorrow? And then you go, oh, with the pink toothbrush, you go, oh, thank fuck, yeah, we'll get looked after there. It'd be great. It is. It's family. It really is. You know. I- I've worked there, you know, just shy of 30 years. You know, we've got we've got glass collectors that have worked for us for like 18 years. And it's like... People, yeah, that's, that's something. People don't leave. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, we, we lock them in. Like, but um, but no, like, like literally, every, it's like we've had to start a clothing range to try and pull some money in. Right. And the support was just ridiculous. You know, we're, we're famous for having a sticky carpet. Like, because it's just, it's gross, you know. It's a a proper rock and roll venue. It's, you know, it's grimy and black and and all the carpets are just kind of sodden with with stale beer and, and, you know, and, yeah, and and, and soaked in fucking teen spirit. And, and, yeah, and it's it's really nice that, that when we had the carpet changed a year ago, I said, hold some back. And we are now cutting the carpet into small squares, framing it, and we're selling it. And people are falling over themselves to own a bit of our sticking carpet. <laughs> but that's but that, that. But that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty yeah. of that. You know, the people that attend that club. It yeah, it means something to them. Yeah, but that's very. That's a very damn. If you think about that, it's so damning on our government right now. Is that venues are forced to cut squares of their old sticky <laughs> carpets, frame them, yeah. and sell them to survive. What's that all about, eh? eh? <laughs> Bullshit. It's, not... it's madness. Oh um, man. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, I mean, I don't know how I, I'm. I'm pretty atheist, but um, 
but you know the concept of ghosts is interesting. Do you think when you pass away, you'll you'll uh, be with forever within the halls of the pink toothbrush? Well, <laughs> I, 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 uh, uh, I yeah, I, I too am an atheist, but um, I often like I kind of because it's really weird. It's got a really high loft, right? And but it's like on a sort of suspended ceiling above the club, so you you can't actually sort of do anything up there. Uh, and I just, every time I ever lift that loft hatch up and look up there, I just kind of expect to see all of the goths from like the mid to late 80s that attended, like upside down, like in Lost Boys, like asleep, <laughs> just like hang, hanging upside down like bats, just already getting ready for like Friday when they can like resurface again when it's dark. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's, it, 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 it's a really place and and for any of you know that your listeners that, that that want to know more then if you just put in uh pink toothbrush 30 into youtube you, you there's like an hour-long documentary just about that we made when it was the club was 30 years old and and, and, and scroobius is on there talking about how he never paid to get in and why she's the break in um <laughs> and like phil juberus and yeah there's lots of, of of people that have come through the, the club over the years all on there talking it's um yeah, it's something I'm, I'm I'm fiercely proud of, and yeah, I think anyone that likes alternative music and alternative people, and a safe haven for for weird and wonderfuls, I think they'll they'll get a bit of joy out of watching that. Uh, what's the, uh, the, the I, I don't I don't want to make you emotional and bring the, the vibe down, but um, what's the story with Bert? That was a real there was a real emotional beat there in that documentary and I just sort of like there's there's a lot of love being felt so um he, he was a, a doorman that, that, that worked at the club and uh and yeah he was uh he, he was a, a pretty like he wasn't a great big lump of a doorman he was right. probably about five foot nine uh <laughs> but just worked the door at the weekend to top up the wages like so many you know, uh, security officials do, and uh, and and yeah, he 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 was dating a good friend of mine, and then uh, he was only a young man, I think, at the time, but it was probably maybe mid thirties, and yeah, just just went home one night and didn't wake up the next day, and uh, and yeah, and he, and he, he was very much as I said, he'd, he'd worked at the the club many 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 years, and again was was part of the family, and and yeah, mo- most importantly, I guess. He he was yeah this this girl sort of tapped him on the shoulder when he was he was doing security by the side of the DJ booth and I was DJ at the time and uh, and she she said oh can I do you know the DJ he's, he's like you know I'd like to talk to him and she said like is he is he all right will he be all right if like, I go in the di-? and he picked her up and he put her in the DJ booth and he was like right Carol this is Stuart Stuart this is Carol and and yeah and then yeah that was my wife and. Uh, <laughs> And so it was, yeah, it was, it was, you know, I guess if it wasn't for him doing that, then I'll, you know, I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have, you know, two children. And, and so, yeah, like I think that that part of the documentary is, is, you know, there's a lot of love expressed for for him. And it just, I think, you know, as much as it's only, you know, very, very personal to, to those that knew him in the venue, I think it hopefully comes across in the documentary that the bigger picture of it is that, it is a club that's built on love and family and yeah. that family extends way beyond the people that pull your pints and play the records. It, it goes right the way through to security and most importantly, the people that come in 
and dance and express themselves and, and feel comfortable in our, our you know our house. Seem very proud of that, and you absolutely should be. Um, as I said, yeah, there's there's definitely venues up and down the the country, and as I said, all around the world, where you you they've got that vibe. There's a yeah. vibe that they they share. <clears throat> you know, I, I, as much as I, I do think like it's very unique, what we you know our, our club. You know, I'm a 47 year old guy that that grew up in bands and DJing all around the country. You know, in in lots of places that smell a bit wafty are a bit grotty. The dressing rooms are a bit shit, but that's kind of it. That's, you know, that's what I expected. That's what I wanted. And if I would have gone in and the venue was pristine chrome and there was a bottle of champagne in an ice bucket, I would have been, wow, what the fuck's going on here? Like this, this is <laughs> what I expected, you know, right. I want, I want warm beer and a six pack of fucking golden wonder crisps like, on the table. That's what I want. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it was like, you know, there's there's a million and one of these venues, you know, that 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 cater for alternative people, and 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 they're the lifeblood of them towns. So if you're if you're an alternative kid, and I use that term loosely, you know, that that is whether you're into indie music, you know, metal, what whatever it does, hip hop, anything that's not that kind of genre that you're going to get in your high street clubs, then there's nothing wrong with that. They offer something to people that want that. Um, but for some people that don't feel comfortable in them places, the venues that do cater for them, that's their lifeline. That's yeah. where if they're at college and there's only a group of like five people that are into that, and you know, and the rest of you know, your college is is full of people that aren't, then you, you know, you need to you need to go where you can find more people like you and where you'll you find your tribe. Completely got to find your tribe. And 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 that's what makes not just the the, the the pink toothbrush, but all venues like that across the you know across the globe, like the the lifeblood of them towns for them people. Yeah, we uh, played a show in um, in Manchester once, and then afterwards we went to a place called Satan's. Have you ever been to Satan's? I haven't. No, it's a like a rock club. Uh, metal bar club thing. Of course it's, it is. It's called fucking right? Satan's. Satan's. <laughs> <laughs> and in the corner behind the DJ booth is is a huge fucking Satan, like a huge sculpture Satan Brilliant. thing. And it's just the the strangest sort of venue. And there's like almost like a um like a bandstand, almost like a loose sort of bandstand shape dance floor in the middle with like runoffs on on the sides of it. And you get some real characters in there. And the metal room is like literally this little kicked off to the side room. In the main room, you've got your Blink, your Green Day, your, M- your My Chemical Romance. They get your system and your Deftones going on there and stuff. And then you go into the metal room and there's like dudes fully like headbanging and like mouthing every word of Pantera or yeah. Slayer. And like it's at- you go into that room and it just becomes pure testosterone. It's absolutely crazy, and the ceilings are super high. It's almost like the room that's like it really is like a yeah. The metal can you know go off to the side there, and you, but it's got so much character. Well, you, you touched on, on on tribalism there in music, yeah. and, and I think you know as I've I've grown older, I, I guess as I've grown older, maybe I've become less in touch with, with with youth culture. I guess sometimes that could be a bit creepy if I'm hanging around youth clubs, but um, <laughs> but uh, like the tribalism. You know, as a 47-year-old guy, I, I, you know, I was lucky in 88, 89 to have kind of seen Acid House explode and 
and then to see that the Manchester movement, you know, you know, with, with the Roses and the Mondays and that, and then to see grunge drop in, you know, the early 90s, you know, and then all the stuff that's happening in the UK, you know, in, in alternative music then through to like the mid 90s with Britpop and so on and then new metal, et cetera, et cetera. And it was all very, very tribal. And as a, still as a DJ, I don't see that much tribalism anymore. It feels to me when I look at it in both fashion and, and things like that, that there seems to be a very generic thing now where lots of people like a lot of everything, which I think it's a, you know, it's a 50-50. I think it's really positive that people are open up to other genres and things mm. like that. But when it comes to tribalism, for me, and I'm not a huge metal fan, metalers, they're still doing their thing. Yeah. Like, it, it's not it, really changed. No. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, that tribalism, you know, whenever I try and think of an example of like, you know, a, a youth culture or, or, or you know, or a, a, a music culture that, that is still pretty strong in its image as well as its sound, and it, it's, it's metal. Uh, yeah. Did you... Um... Did you ever want to see the 90s fashion come back? Because it's back, isn't it? Yeah. We are fully in the 90s in terms of um, high street. Well, not even high street. Well, maybe high street fashion. Mainstream Um, fashion. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very all right with my age. And and it it is weird because a few years ago when I start thinking, I start seeing these little memes of like, Smashing Pumpkins albums for like 25 years old this day. And I think, fuck me, how has that gone that quick? Like, but um, I guess I have an affinity with the 90s because I I guess that was my years of bands and and DJing, you know, as a young man, as a young single man, uh, and and just with everything to play for. And I loved it. I loved the fashion, you know, I loved all the, 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 the youth cultures that come within that from having my check shirt, shorts and long hair, through to having Mighty Dash tracksuit top and my, my, my mop top, like when Britpop dropped. And and, and literally, I guess, the, the, the actual haircut I've got now, I also had in the mid-90s. Uh, I had a midlife crisis in lockdown and, and, and dyed my hair uh, peroxide. I am aware, though, every time I do Zoom now, it does just look like I've gone grey because it matches the grey in my beard now. So just, <laughs> what I thought might make me look younger has actually made me look like a pensioner. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that went wrong, mate. <laughs> so how, how do you, I mean, you're a young man. How do you feel about the 90s coming back? Well, I mean, I was born in 92. So, so I mean, the most of the 90s for me was just sort of just this kid that was being sort of herded through school. And, like, you know, I didn't have a lot, an awful lot of autonomy or, you know, any cognitive, uh, well, I mean, I was aware of things. But, you know, you don't know the, the time you're in when you're that young. You don't sure. fully Bring, you haven't got a concept of before you or, or you know you've not lived long enough to to have any kind of uh idea of the past really so i went through the 90s like we, we we talked about the spice girls uh i think that may have been in our preamble before we started recording but i got a sister who's six years older than me so any 90s that i really experienced in a cultural sense would have come through what I was hearing coming out of her bedroom door, which mm. would have been uh, a lot of Spice Girls. Gina G, remember Gina mm. G? Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, she used to dress me up as a Spice Girl. Actually, my granddad was a bit of a dab hand with the old woodwork, and he made us these wooden microphones, and the Spice, Girl, <laughs> the Spice Girls had this ITV 
special where they had like the the uh the the frame around their mic diaphragm was gold uh, and uh he made these glittery gold <laughs> wooden microphones and there's a there's a picture of me and her in front of my grandparents um door you know you always have a picture in front of a white door don't you living room door and she's dressed me up in the most hideous like improvised spice girl thing and we just sort of sit there like that these <laughs> wooden microphones I, I've, 90s... I've got a lot of questions <laughs> um what f- firstly what spice girl was you i think i was uh i think i was scary spice wonderful wonderful have you still got the mic no i wish that would be great because he actually did a pretty good job of it like he put yeah. some see my granddad was one of those guys he'd put a bit of the effort in do you yeah. know what I mean? So well, I had a go-kart, like you mentioned uh, uh, earlier, your mate, you had a go- I had a go-kart. I was really lucky that they had a big old garden. I used to tear around in that. I had a, basically, my, my toys were a go-kart and an armory. It's a, it's a, like a chest full of toy guns. And this is before they, they put the, uh, <laughs> the orange bits in the ends and that made yeah. them look like toys. I had like, I had guns that looked like guns. Do you know what I mean? So, I had a, so it was your garden like Mad Max? It was like, uh, it had some like, almost like allotment style bits in it. It was quite a long garden. It was like in, in the countryside in the village. It was my grandparents' um, garden. And it, yeah, there was a bit of a track around it. So you could kind of, yeah, you could kind of maneuver around this um, this garden with the like Like, like, a, like a serial like killer. <laughs> <laughs> in a fucking go-kart tooled up with like guns that look legit. <laughs> How terrifying. <laughs> Dude, it was amazing. It was a great, great childhood. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I was what I was talking about. Uh, culture, 90s. Yeah, my sister. Yeah, I got a lot of the 90s via my sister, mm. basically, because I was too young to really sort of take it all in. Or Yeah. yeah, It, 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 it was weird because I've touched on before. Like, you know, growing up in the 90s, I was very much, a, a, you know, into guitar music and, and, and stuff like that. And, and so, you know, I, I was obviously ridiculously aware of the Spice Girls because, of who they were, they were the yeah. phenomenon, and uh, and and so yeah, part of me felt like should I be the person to you know to have a Spice Girl on my podcast because surely there's probably you know millions of like Spice Girls like absolute uber fans that would love an yeah. opportunity to talk to her, but and 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 obviously like you know I was very aware who she was and I, I you know I knew you know all the songs don't you because they're ingrained in the fabric of of, of British 90s music culture and yeah and 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 I, I, do you know what like it was it was Melanie C that I, I spoke to and she she was so delightful and and when you know you look at the the amount of you know 100 and, I think it's 111 million records she's sold um I mean that's ridiculous and, and I was just interested in finding out how how you cope with what as an outsider looking in looked like overnight success yeah ridiculous success that you know most people in the public i still would have no concept of i mean you know global superstars you know how that messes with your psyche you know how that T- you know, we'll, 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 we'll sort of tweak any insecurities, you know, and, and, and magnify them. And yeah, she was just, she was really, really, you know, she's just a good soul and, and you know, it's got great tasting records as well. And yeah, we, we, we had a, a, a really good chat. And, and I'd, I'd heard her on Desert Island Discs 
um, which is probably my favourite podcast. And and she was just wonderful. And I just thought, I'm, I'm going to reach out and see if she'll come on mine. And, yeah, it was absolutely blessed. And it was really interesting hearing her talk about, you know, to be so um, forthright, you know, talking about um, eating disorders um, and, and, and talking about, you know, only yesterday I've seen her um, sort of shouting about trans rights and stuff. So it's like, yeah, I think she's, you know, she's she's smart and she's, I think, you know, she, she's, her heart's in the right place. Yeah. Um, did I hear you say something in a podcast about you had a, a, an eating disorder at one point? Mm, I did, yeah. Yeah. What, um, what does that, um, because I, th- I feel like in society, in a, in a mainstream sense, a lot of people know what that looks like uh, in a female sense. Um, but what what is it like? You know, something you don't hear about very often is male eating disorders. Something, well, at least something I don't hear about an awful lot. So that's that's interesting to me. I, I, I find it. Um, I, I had a um, a body positive model on Hardcore Listening podcast, um, uh, Jess Megan, and um, and we was talking about uh, body positivity and 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 I, and she mentioned like eating disorders and. And, and through no fault of her own, you know, she's she's very, very um, woke and, and, and a wonderful person, Jess. And and I think a lot of times she sort of referenced eating disorders and, and, and it sort of felt like it was attached to women. And right. I was like, guys can have eating disorders as well. Uh, and then she was like, yeah, of course, you know, of course. Like, and, uh, and, and yeah, and, and, and I've never really spoke about it. And I was just like, well, yeah, I was bulimic for years, and and uh, and then yeah, then I think when I went on Scrooge's podcast, he, he brought it up, and I wasn't prepared for it, um, and I've never really tried to offer any kind of answers or advice because I don't really think I'm qualified because I've never really spoke to many people that you know have been through what I've been through. I know there's millions and millions of people that that, that, that suffer that suffer and still suffer. Um, I'm lucky I, I don't, you know, I've not suffered for, for, for a long, long time. Um, but I only really knew what I'd been through. So I didn't feel like I was in a position where I could kind of go, well, you know, this is what you should do. And, right. you know, there, there's, there's a, a million and one places now that you can go and get help for it and, and things like that. Mine just kind of just, and, and, it, and I'm not, I'm just got to choose my words correctly. Uh, like I just, I don't want to kind of make anything thanks sort of casual about it, but mine just went away right like and you know i didn't have any kind of therapy or not not that that would have ever been a problem but i just it just stopped and so you know really lucky but yeah it's i mean i only i I did see it the weekend i've I've not watched it but i i I taped it so that's that's quite 90s isn't it i i (laughs) I recorded it um and i see that freddie flintoff had, had made a documentary that come out um about his bulimia Oh, um, and so I was, I, was, I was really interested to to hear that because I've seen you know Freddie's weight go up and down, and uh, and seen that he uh, he stripped a lot of weight off to box, and you know that was one of the things that I stripped a lot of weight off was to to box. Right. So it was like you know I, I, I'm really looking forward to, to 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 watching that, and and I think you know to to, to have guys like Freddie that's obviously a you know very very famous face in the UK to. To, to go out and go, guys suffer with this as well. I think, you know, yeah, make yeah. other fellas that maybe may feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about it, 
You yeah. know, we're, we're, we're lucky that, you know, we, we live in a world where there seems to be huge amounts of progression in, 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 in both women and men talking about, yeah. you know, being mentally unwell and, you know, and suffering. And, you know, it, it seems like the world is a more welcoming place and more understanding. There's still a long way to go, but I think it, you know, it does feel like there's lots of safe places now where you can go, yeah, I don't feel right. And right. and more than any, more than anything, now's the time, right? Because, you know, there's there's lots of people that must be finding being six months into lockdown a really fucking difficult time. You know, people losing businesses and stuff and, you know, people that are isolated from relatives and things like that. It's, it's got to be so tough for so many people. And, yeah, I'm just glad that we live in a place where you can now feel more comfortable about talking about these things. Yeah, that's something I try to, or I've been trying to um, uh, promote or at least sort of echo during this show is um, that there is strength in vulnerability. And I think there's a lot of men that need to learn that. And I didn't get that to begin with. I had a, uh, a friend, um, shout out Jess Helens, who who's always sharing things on her Instagram uh, about vulnerability and self-improvement and and everything and i was just like messenger once i was like i don't really get i don't get this bit this this is what i do sometimes if i don't get it i'll just ask her i don't get this does this mean this and if if i get it wrong or i'm absolutely ignorant she never chastised me for it she'll just lays it out and i was like it took me a minute to understand that the the strength is in allowing the weakness for a while because all I was seeing was, oh, well, that's weakness, but it's not. It's the, there's a strength in being, in, in having a moment of weakness, isn't there? Absolutely. And I think that's so important to um, to push that into Absolutely. male culture. And and you know, I think it's important to, to to ask. And and you know, if you don't, you know, if there's something you're quizzical about, then you're not expected to know all the answers. And I think you're more than. It's a good thing to just go. I don't get this. Yeah, can you can you tell me? Yeah, like, and and I think more people should do that. Like, it's, it's really weird. We, um, we've we've got a, a good friend uh, where we live called Jordan Gray. Now, now, now Jordan, um, I don't know if you know Jordan. Jordan was um, a runner up on The Voice uh, um, a few years ago, and and, and Jordan um, was was born Jordan Gray, uh, the, the man, uh, and and transitioned, and and he's a wonderfully talented and and and, and happy woman. Um, and, and and a dear friend, and uh, we've had Jordan on on various podcasts. We do, and and at first, because I've known her like so so long, I was like, "What can I can I say that?" And and it's like, and she'd be like, "Look, I'm not the spokesperson for trends, but just ask me like what you think, and I'll just go." Yeah, I mean that makes sense to me, and it's right. like just ask. Do you know what I mean? And it was yeah. like because I just thought oh, I'm going to say something that's just going to be like not for on purpose, not not purposely. I don't want to say anything that's going to offend you, and because I, you know, I don't know many trans people, and you know, I, I'm you know I, I, I'm glad that that, that Jordan's super happy, but I don't want to say anything that will offend the trans community, you know, um, you know, and so it was like, Jordan, can I say this? Is this, is this, uh, you know, and she was like, yeah, 
I'm cool with that. Like, and yeah. I'm sure the trans community will be cool with that, but I'm not the spokesperson just because I, you're the only like, <laughs> trans person I know. But, um, yeah. but yeah, like Jordan would be such a good guest on this podcast. Like, like she, yeah. she's wonderful, man. Like, yeah, stand-up comedian, man. She's fucking hilarious. Right. Uh, and yeah, an incredible musician as well. Well, I'll uh, I'll speak to you when this is done, mm. and um, and we can try and hook that up. But yeah, council culture is is a real thing, and I think there's a lot of people who are very worried to ask these things. And I'll just put it on the on the record right now. I don't want to um, marginalise or offend or um, or you know say anything negative about any. Um, walks of life i want to you know it's all about love and and but there there are some aspects of council culture where if you don't know people just go at you they just go at you yeah and i and i think that's really unhealthy we need to we need to preserve the conversation i did see a a, a few things during the whole um the black lives matter thing when it was really at its peak you know i saw some things on facebook where some people were you know, they were a bit ignorant, but they weren't hateful with it. And they were getting torn apart in the comments for it. And they were saying, I just don't get this. And I just wanted to be like, whoa, 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 stop. Let's stop point scoring. Let's stop this virtue signaling. This person doesn't get it. You have the opportunity to bring this person in now and educate them and align them with you, with the cause and, and gain a new and gain a new voice in the in you know what's right. Absolutely you're not. You're ripping them apart, and it was just, just disgraceful. Really, it was it was a really um, scary, um, intimidating, powerful time when that in the in the the wake of what happened, and social media was such a divisive place at that point. And you know, I I saw lots of people in you know I've I've grown up in a a very um working class um area of Essex which for a long time was a um a BMP stronghold and and it's it's probably it's better now but it wasn't the most forgiving place for minorities you know as I was growing up um and and so I'm you know I have I have lots of Oh, yeah, I have lots of friends. No, but I have lots of friends on social media, like, um, like I'm, you know, most people do that. That you know, the people that you've been to school with and college with, and things like that. And um, and I saw lots of people just go, whoa, 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 no, all lives matter. Yeah. And yes, that shows an element of ignorance, but that doesn't. Some people, I think, didn't understand that and just thought, well, no, like. Just be nice to everyone. And I think a lot of people said that with the best of intentions. Absolutely. And because maybe they wasn't as informed as they could have been. And so, as you said, it only takes one person to go, no, the the, the reason behind this is this. That's why Black Lives Matter. Yeah. But instantly it's like, fuck you, racist. And it's like, what? And it's like... (laughs) And 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 you, and and it's just, and that's because I think at the time, obviously, what was happening globally was, aside from the pandemic, was obviously that the you know the, the news channels were full of what was happening in Black Lives Matter, and it was fucking terrifying, and you know, and it was it, it angered people, but then as much as it angered the left, it infuriated the right, 
And like, and then what it felt like to me, there was no middle ground. There was nobody going, right, look, I get why you're saying this, but this is what I think. Or, yeah. no, I understand this, but I think this. And the only way that you're going to get through anything is through debate and through conversation. But I think people were locked down, fucked off, and and it it was just so divisive. It was like, well, I I don't – well, fuck you, you're racist, and then blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you fucking, you know, liberal fucking lefty. And it's like – and it it, it just was was so – it was just a really horrible place to be. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them, you know, uh, annoying lefties. And, and, you know, I, I knew that I went to a protest. I went to a Black Lives Matter protest with my daughter uh, uh, um, and wife um, because my, my youngest daughter wanted, was really unhappy about, you know, what, 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 what was going on. And, and as a parent, I had to kind of weigh it up and go, right, well, look, how do we approach this? Do... We was going to go to the London uh, demonstration, and then when I looked at where it was, and I did not think the amount of people that went was going to go, mm. and obviously it was very, very, very busy. Um, but then there happened to be one in Southend, um, which is not too far from me, uh, and I spoke to um, Pip and a few others that were going, um, and it was just weighing up the fact that we're in a pandemic, but I also wanted to make sure that my daughter had a voice and mm-hmm. her parents were encouraging her to protest and to speak at uh, things that she's unhappy with. And when we got there, it was amazing. The PPE was bang on. There was spots marked out on the, uh, on the ground. So everybody stood, you know, and it was a peaceful protest and the speakers were, 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 were brilliant. And, and it was just, I'm so pleased I've done, but when people, a lot of people I know found out that I'd done that. A lot of people kind of sneered under the fact that we was in a pandemic, but a lot of that sneering, I think, masked their opinions, which were different to mine. Right. Um, because, Veiled racism. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To, uh, and and I, uh, I, uh, yeah. I, but then again, maybe not, maybe not racism. Maybe I don't know. That, again, maybe that's yeah. you fucking racist. I know, I know. It's crazy. Maybe, <laughs> it's but crazy. It's, but, it, but what? Maybe it's not racism. But whatever it is, it it smells funny. Yeah, that that's that. I couldn't have put that any better, uh, Andy. I think that that that's it. And uh, yeah, I, I just it, it, it's just been a it's been a really crazy year. And I'm you know it, 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 you know I started this podcast moaning about the government and and Amy club shut, but then, you know, looking at what we're talking about now, when you take a step back and you look at like the implications of, you know, what's happening to mental health, what, you know, what, what, what happens, you know, what's happening with black lives matter. It's like, there's bigger problems at hand. Do you know what I mean? But I think everything feels magnified in the, during the pandemic, because I think we're spending so much time, especially, you know, going back a few months, like when when you you know the news feeds and and the social media it, it was it was it was heavy mm. it just felt really heavy and and I come off of off of Facebook um, because I just didn't want to hear or sorry didn't want to see so many people who I know's opinions yeah because um, I feel I should respond yeah but then I just think 
I'm going to spend all day just arguing with people. Yeah. And I'm going to get nowhere, and it's just going to, it's just going to get, it's just going to be even a more negative situation because the people that were saying the things that I wasn't agreeing with are not necessarily are quite set in their opinions. And you know, I could see that people were trying to sort of mediate and go, well, look, you know, and it was just blinkered. And then I just think I can't be looking at this. Yeah. Like you know, you can, you can, you know, I think. Yeah, I just had to come off of there and and just go back onto Instagram for a while and look at pictures of people's dinners and cats. <laughs> it was a heavy time. I remember there was there were moments between me me and uh, friends where it would be like, "Do you feel exhausted by this?" Like, but not even like not even that that we were like you know in the in the streets getting really really super stuck in. I did go to a demo and we did take a knee and stuff. Um, but it was ju- it's just the constant um, barrage of um, opinions um, and then awful facts about systematic racism and then uh, and all these statistics and it just felt like the the world that we were living in was absolutely fucked and the pandemic and it was just it was exhausting and seeing all the videos on Instagram of of like peaceful protests being tear gassed or. You know, people being beaten up, and and it was and it was awful, and it was a hor- it was a it was a it was a strange um, time for me because I'm my town's deputy mayor, and so I had to, to you know I have a I feel like I have a an a so some sort of social influence, and I want to use that for good, but also I can't be spending all day in the trenches in the comments section battling people, and then if I have to if I go to a, a demonstration, I have to think about. You know, am I am I doing the pandemic things correctly? Do you know what I mean? It was a very it was a very strange time for me in my position as well to um, yeah to, to get to get that sort of balance between being a good stand up human and being counted as you know these are our these are all our friends and neighbours our brothers and sisters, but also having that political um, responsibility as well, or at least perceived political responsibility because I'm not that important. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I just hope that when we do find our way back out of this pandemic, that we, you know, we, we we've we've learned something through this bleak time. Yeah. You know, we've learned to, you know, understand Black Lives Matter. You know, and we've learned to realise that we do need other people. We need that human connection. And when we're locked down, we crave it. You know. Yes, we do like to go and sit down in the pub. If they shut it at ten o'clock, they've got to shut it at ten o'clock. But if you can still go out and see your friends safely and and you know, yeah. tell your friends I'm I'm feeling a bit shit or you know, just want to catch up and have a laugh and have a beer. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I just hope that when it's safe to do all these things again, like and and go into a club and hug your mates and like, you know, I just hope that because it, something happened when when we first went into lockdown. Um, I, I try and run every day, and and a runner will always acknowledge another runner. So right. if you run past some, they, they give you like a little kind of awkward nod or a little wave. <laughs> and uh, but you both you both seen the other running come the other runner coming towards you, so uh, you, you generally sort of up your speed a little bit to give it the big one a little bit. And so you can then <laughs> yeah. then do a kind of a slightly more exhausted kind of acknowledge. Um, but that's as far as it goes. And and like I say, where I live. Uh, it's it's not you know it's, it can be pretty heavy at times and you know you don't say hello to strangers where I live 
And, you know, he, uh, you know, that's why I find myself in Cornwall or the Lake District. You walk down the road, morning, morning, and you think, oh, this is nice. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but where I live, you know, but that's not a thing. And, uh, but it felt when we initially got, like, locked down and was allowed out once a day for a run or walk your dog or whatever, like, as I was going out for a run and I'd see someone on the other side of the road, they'd be like, morning. And I was like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and it was like people were missing people. Yeah. People were missing interaction and human connection. And and that's one of the things that I really – that's a value that I hope we come back out of this situation with that kind of appreciation for like, hey and, – and like I don't want to be Mr. Fucking Lefty, but like whatever fucking – preference or whatever race creed color whatever people are fucking cool man like you know and and the more people you know the more enriched your life gets and the more diverse they are even more enriched like you know you can only learn from these things and like and i hope that you know we come out of this situation you know with a thirst to enrich our lives more absolutely and we're all going to die one day Exactly. And so this we're sharing <laughs> we're sharing this one together. So let's try. Some people are just uh really hard to like, but most but most people like you said are cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the vast luck. majority of people are cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um you touched on something earlier that I kind of want to I want to steer it back to that the uh the Mel C thing where you said that you thought perhaps you weren't the podcast for her because you weren't a big super nutty Spice Girls fan. Now I think mm. that is it that poses an interesting question itself is how much when you do a podcast which is based off of curiosity and essentially learning about someone like like what I'm trying to do here, is do you find out everything you can about them beforehand, or do you have to leave a little bit to find out? Because that's kind of the point, isn't it? So you, you want to do your due diligence, but also you don't want you don't want to be like just talking to someone and know everything they're going to tell you. So where do you go with that? Right. It's trade secrets here. Um, it's super <laughs> brief. It's super brief. Right. Um, our Wikipedia, uh, just to check uh, date of birth, marriage, kids, just so I find out they've got family. You know, I don't want to say anything if they're like, they've just recently been divorced or something. I don't right. want to kind of slip up or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I'll just generally sort of check that out. Um, and, 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 and yeah, like, that's it really. Like, I don't do any in-depth research into, you know, their career because I want to ask them about it. Right. And, I, and, I, and I genuinely want to be surprised and, you know, and, you know, and, 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 and intrigued. And, and so, yeah, like, I, I, I literally, it, it was a bit different with maybe Mel C because I'd heard her on Desert Island Discs and, you know, I'd, I'm, yeah, and, and she's a fucking Spice Girl. So, you know, we, we, we all know a lot of that. Um, but then, for instance, if we look at, let me just try and think of someone whose work I didn't know lots about. Um, uh, I, I, had, um, I had the guy, uh, the singer from uh, The Vaccines um, on the other day. And, uh, and I only really knew a few tracks by The Vaccines. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize just, you know, how big a band they were. Right. You know, didn't realise, you know, their O2 material. I was like, wow. <laughs> like, um, 
so I got to kind of find out about that and, and you know, find out about how they got there. And, and that's what I'm interested in. So I don't really want the answers before I've asked the questions. Exactly. So, no, yeah. I think there's two schools of thought, isn't there? There's, there's the person that's going to manipulate and steer the conversation to get the exact, uh, I hate to say the word, content that they want. And then there's, then there's the organic finding out i think i much prefer finding out obviously i don't want to put my foot in my mouth like you said with the the, the, mm. the personal research but it's yeah i just yeah and that's what i'm tussling with especially as the the schedule gets a little bit more crammed well, you can't learn about you know you can't spend my whole week learning six people's life stories so that you, you touched on the fact that you've done community radio a while ago i think that's the fundamental difference between radio and podcasting right so with radio you've got an allocated time span where you've got to get you know a, the, the the key stuff from a guest you know and if you look at tv as well it's like you know if if maxine Pete goes on graham norton it's going to be like right okay how have you been great give us an anecdote brilliant um what you plug in yeah and then it's like okay on to the next guest whereas if she's on a podcast and you know that well, you know, we've got an hour or so. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. And then that that's when people really relax and that's when people feel comfortable talking and then that's when the connection yeah. happens. And then that's when you get the kind of conversations that I think people want from a podcast. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think one of the greatest guys in radio to do interviews at the moment is Howard Stern. I don't know if you've ever seen mm. a lot of Stern interviews. Yeah. But he re- he cracks them open. But Howard Stern's a different Beast. body of work. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, he's Howard Stern. Yeah. So, like, he's not going to get people going, man, play a record. And he's like, oh, I'm fucking talking. Yeah. Like, so, you know, I, I think it's, yeah, I know what you're saying. And, yeah, have you seen the, the Howard Stern film, Private Parts? Yeah, love it. I went to the video shop uh, in, what was that? Probably that come out in maybe... Ooh, I think it was 98. 98. Yeah, yeah. And so when that come out, uh, a neighbour of mine worked in my local video shop and I went round there and uh, I always chat to her, but she was chatting to one of her friends uh, and I went and got the card from the video and put it on the counter. And she was like, hey, Stuart, what are you watching today? I went, oh, this, this is your private parts. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and like, a mate looked at me like, I just obviously got some grot off the top shelf. Right. And I was like, and the more I was trying to go, well, yeah, no, it's about a, like, it's about a DJ. And it's, I was just digging myself <laughs> in deeper and deeper. And it was like, oh, fuck's sake. I've just literally said, what are you watching? Private parts. I just thought, can't say that in a video store. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much for listening to the first part of two of my conversation with Stu Whiffin here on the Giant Pod. You can check out Stu's podcast in the show note descriptions. Uh, You can also uh, leave us a review, like and subscribe. That would be great if you could do that. Uh, Follow my antics on Instagram at Andy underscore S1S. This podcast was produced by the excitable Harry Williams. And uh, make sure you tune in a couple more days when we'll have another episode with Stu Whiffin. We'll have part two. It's very exciting. I'll see you then. Cheers.